Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Final Furlong Podcast is brought to you in association with AtTheRaces.com, the ultimate resource for racing fans. Later than advertised. But welcome along to the Final Furlong Podcast. I'm your host, Emmett Kennedy, alongside Sky Sports Racing's Peter Fornital. Hello. Welcome back to the show, my friend. It's a great time from American Racing. Great PR. Nothing to see here. Nothing wrong. <laughs> I thought you said we weren't going to talk about that till the end. You're, you're, you're putting, me, putting me away already. The Final Furlong Podcast international racing correspondent, by pure coincidence, was booked to appear on this show when a massive drug scandal hits American racing. We'll touch on it towards the end of the show. We've got the oldest classic in the world to talk about. It's live on Sky Sports Racing. But of course, we also have Irish Champions Weekend to talk about. And we cannot discuss that without having on a top trainer. Step forward, Laytown winning legend, Sarah Lynham, welcome back to the Final Furlong Podcast. Well, thanks very much. From Laytown to Champions Weekend, can't beat it. Are your sister, Amy, and you still hungover after the bubbles by the beach? Um, no, no, we were good. I was whisked away from the bubbles after all because I was getting a hyper. So uh, I was back home to tea and some Toblerone. I was actually not too mad. <laughs> I like the way you said tea and Toblerone. And if Toblerone would like to sponsor the Final Forum podcast, <laughs> you can email radioemmers at gmail.com. Uh, speaking of our actual sponsors, though, at the races have got some fantastic content for the entire week of Doncaster, but also for our Champions Weekend as well. Uh, you will have the usual expert analysis from Hugh Taylor, which is amazing that Hughes' analysis is free, along with Simon Rowland's. Um, detailed race cards, and the apps are available on attheraces.com. You can get them for your iPhone, your iPad, your smartphone, your tablet, whatever it is you need. Even a carrier pigeon can probably have one at this stage <laughs> uh, because they are top class. There's also the At The Races microsite, attheraces.com forward slash ledger. There are stable tours with Martin Mead, Kevin Ryan, uh, Ben Curtis is in there as well. And uh, there's even striding and sexual an- analysis, sectional analysis. If we just say that correctly, because that could have been misinterpreted Vanessa Ryle style uh, by Simon Rollins as well. So it's all there for you. And uh, you can get the race cards for Leopard Sen and the Curra as well, featuring Timeform at theraces.com forward slash ledger. We'll begin with Sarah's favorite drink, the Pomeray Champagne Stakes, 3 o'clock at Doncaster as Threat will be a short price favorite against the likes of Fourth Myers. Royal Crusade for Charlie Appleby. Threat has been a horse who was very highly regarded for quite some time. He ran a, a stormer in the Coventry Stakes. Uh, behind Arizona Uh, that Arizona form could be questioned somewhat but I I think I would be very happy to put that down to just an off day in France last time out and I think he's probably overpriced for the national stakes which we'll talk about a little bit later on but there doesn't seem to be anything of that level of class to take him on and he has won last time out so when all the big guns have skipped this race 
Is he just a good thing at 11 to 10, or is he more of a sitting duck in your eyes, Peter? I'm not allergic to taking a short price on a horse who looks the best on form, especially if as we get closer to the off and we get a chance to see the proceedings, um, if looks like they're enjoying themselves on the day. I, I'm more inclined to let the paper dictate uh, that, the, that the horse is the right favorite and make something along the lines of a token wager rather than somebody to get creative. Um, a lot of USA horse players, uh, it's very hard to back favorites here in a tote system because you never know at the end of the day what price you're getting, and that 11th 10 could easily end up being 4 to 5 on the day. But if I think a horse is the most likely winner and has a uh, has at least a 50% chance of winning, I'm more than happy to go ahead and take the 11 to 10. And, and from the work I've done to this point on this race, I'd just be I'd be just as soon uh, to do that. But I'll but that beat that said, I'm also up for doing a little more digging and trying to see if there's something more creative. But sometimes you just have to accept the fact that it's better to, to take a short price than have a long face. Short price than a long face. And Peter Fornatel is available for puns, for uh, birthdays, bar mitzvahs, weddings, and all kinds of things. Uh, Sarah, your assessment of the champagne sticks? Yeah, I, I would think it's fair enough that he's odds on. I think he's the most likely winner. Um, he possibly, well, I wouldn't say he was unlucky in the Coventry, but, um, you know, it's early on in his two-year-old career. He had a huge reputation going into that race. And maybe if they ran it again the following day, he could have won it. You know, there wasn't a whole lot between them. Um, I thought in the gym crack, he'd up to be going away at the line, winning very easily. He likes the quick ground. It's going to be good to firm and Donny. So... Um, I think he's a super chance. Like Richard Hannon's always talking about him as a guinea's horse. Um, the Godolphin horse, you he's more chancy to be backing, I think, because it's just he won a maiden well. But um, from what I read, it wasn't even the quickest time of, like, it was kind of a slower time on the day, but I suppose it was first time out. Um, that Juan Elcano, I thought, was quite good um, when he ran the last time. But my question mark over him would just be the ground. He won on heavy first time out in Haydock, which is, like, heavy in Haydock is really boggish ground. Um, I've walked the track there before. It looks nearly like a marsh on the inside. So um, I'm just not sure if he'd handle the going against a fast ground horse like Threat on Saturday. But he is a, a horse for the future, I'd say. Haydock is legendary on the Final Furlong podcast. Like, soft ground oh, essentially needs a submarine to get through. And, <laughs> and I think they have, like, reeds growing in the inside of the track. Are you serious? Well, I think I've seen them. I did walk the track there. I'm pretty sure I saw them. You weren't... Because the amount of times I went there with soul power and the ground went too soft and he couldn't run. So I just, you know, went for a walk around the track. The <laughs> old... <laughs> See, I just go to the press room and drink coffee uh, because obviously you can't consume large quantities of alcohol if you're working. Ahem, ahem. But you would go off and do something healthy like walk the track. I, I admire that. I, I do. Uh, you're part of the job. <laughs> part of the job. So you're inclined then to stick with threat, which, as you say, Richard Hannon has been not shy about talking up quite a bit this season. Yeah, I, I suppose that is the difference between Richard Hannon Jr. and Richard Hannon Sr. He does kind of like to bake them up a good bit, but he does seem very keen on this horse. And before he ran an Ascot, I heard a lot of people uh, connect with the Irish, you know, really baking him up as well. Um, he's by footsteps in the sand and they can be a little bit quirky. So maybe that's why it took till maybe the gym crack from to, to show exactly what he was billed as. But um, yeah, I think he's, he's a good, good thing. 
Okay, uh, that is threat in the Champagne Stakes. We will then move on to the William Hill St. Ledger Stakes, the final classic of the season, because as we all know, as much as we love the Irish St. Ledger, it is not a classic if it's open to older horses. Come on. Uh, so we've got Logician as favourite for Frankie Vittori. Do we love it? Actually, do you know what? I was only kind of saying we love it. And while I'll be there and I'll watch the I think the race, it's an embarrassment, a national embarrassment. <laughs> I can see the tweets coming in now. You two, <laughs> Lynham and Kennedy, you two are a disgrace having a pop at Irish racing. I would see the Vincent O'Brien National Stakes as being the feature race of that day. That's a really exciting race. Whereas the Irish St. Ledger, with the greatest respect to Wicklow Brave, who's winning over fences now, when he can beat Order of St. George and when older horses can take on classic horses, it's no, nah, it's not a classic. I don't, I don't No, it, it really needs to be downgraded because it makes a mockery of group ones. It does. It does. That's our hot take. Lineham and Kennedy's <laughs> hot take on the final for <laughs> Oh, podcast. no, we, we're at it early, only like five minutes in. Oh, well. <laughs> How many hate tweets will there be this week? Uh, Add final for a long pod with your views. So Logician is favourite for John Gosden and Frankie Dettori. He's a horse we've talked about a lot. He looks like a big strapping chaser. He's only been raced as a three-year-old and he's progressing quickly. Sir Dragone also only raced as a three-year-old. Uh, Donico O'Brien will bid for another classic for his father with El Paradiso being partnered by Podrick Beggy, which is a huge get for him uh, we've then got Saron Priestley for Mark Johnston technician for Martin Mead dashing Willoughby for Andrew Balding Mark Johnston's Naif Road and Western Australian Michael Hussey uh, rounds it off as a pacemaker for Aiden O'Brien 66 to 1 currently on attheraces.com Peter John Gosden has not been shy about talking up logician he's taken things slowly but surely with him he did talk about the possibility of going for the pre-neal instead the fact that they come here and that he does stay in training next year, are you confident about him? Or is he one that you are also keen to take on? I love it when the sort of horseman angles and what we hear from the yard matches up so well with the data. You were talking before about the Ledger microsite and the work on there, particularly the work of Simon Rowlands. I mean, I read everybody on there, but Simon Rowlands in particular, the work he's done with the, the stride analysis trying to determine what factors make a good horse for the ledger and how well logician matches up with those. And then also the sectional analysis, when you can take such a visually impressive effort as the last day and then upgrade it even further based on how well logician came home that day. All signs point there for me. I mean, I get it. I get the, the argument that Sir Dragon A may be a bit of value against logician but but uh, my eggs are firmly in the logician basket and this is a horse i'm really curious to follow this weekend and and also going forward i'm pretty excited you guys can let me know if i'm if i'm falling for a hype job or if i'm on the right track here i don't think you are falling for a hype job to be honest i think he's been very good the only thing that concerns me is his price he is very short at at even money and aiden o'brien has won the last two runnings of this race and has a pretty damn good record in it overall. And I get the feeling... I don't know if Sir Dragon is going to be turn out to be as good as Q Gardens, but it's a similar enough preparation for him, Sarah. Like Q Gardens was beaten in his St. Ledger prep and, and still managed to go on and, and win and beat a John Gosden horse on the day. Sir Dragon has disappointed twice now, but Aidan O'Brien was full of him on the launch of Irish Champions Weekend at Ballydoyle. Do you believe that hype? Do you see him bouncing back and being a credible threat to Logician? 
No, I, I don't. I actually don't believe it at all. Um, uh, well, like I mean, he obviously didn't show them much at home until he won a Tipperary that time, because it just seemed like such a surprise to everyone, even them. And to me, he looks like a mudlark. Um, the day he won in Tipperary, the ground was really gluey and it was bad ground in Chester as well when he won. Um, I know he wasn't beaten that far at Epsom, but he was disappointing considering he was a favourite. And then the last day, if he is a Group 1 horse, I, I thought even though he could have been a little unru- unlucky in running, he still should have beaten, you know, finished in the first three, I thought, uh, in the Royal Whip. So I actually think he's overrated. Um on what I've seen, uh, I think logician. I I I I think the same way. Like that he is quite exciting. There is a lot of hype around him, but it's just nice that there's such a. If he if he won this, he could be a properly good horse that's won the ledger, and the ledger does need that. Um, he looks to have a nice turn of foot. So, um, if he stays as well, he could be very good. So you're very heavily involved in the bloodstock game as well. I was famously told a few years ago that the second it was about. 14 years ago, the second the racehorse enters the gate for the St. Ledger, they're immediately devalued as a flat stallion. And when well, you yeah, when you look at the record of true. horses who've who've won the race and have then gone to stud afterwards, even if they've won an Irish Derby, they still end up being national hunt stallions. So we are waiting for that horse. It's probably why Cracksman realistically didn't run in this race. Uh, and, and they went for the pre-neal instead. So what like if logician was to come through win this and then come back next year and win something like a king george would that be the turning point would that change people's minds or is it just so stuck in breeders mindsets now that you need a miler 10 furlong 12 furlong max yeah well now they go for two-year-olds that have won a a group like a mickey mouse group two or something that you never really would have heard of Uh, even then something like kingston hill who's been a quality group one horse all his life and wins over staying trips he only is a five grand stallion no one wants his progeny at the sales you know it's just mm. it's just a question of fashion really but i suppose the addition what he'd have going for him is um he's a judgment horse and they support their stallions and like all their stallions seem to do well um but yeah it is true like i'll be honest when he ran in york the last day and they mentioned the ledger i was like oh no why can't he go for you know he looked to me to be having a nice enough turn of foot that he might be in our contender but i suppose they wouldn't run him against an able um so yeah that that is true they aren't very fashionable it's not it's not the sexiest race out there and that's the the thing that kind of sticks in my mind that Khalid Abdullah is a very sporting man maybe he is going to take a chance and and say right but my horse is going to win a St. Ledger and then I'll let you all see how good he is next year because the plan is to keep him in training as a four-year-old as long as he stays yeah. fit and healthy uh, and as you said there's no way that they would take on an able and he's, his development is probably still getting there but if he is more of a speed type like you've been very dismissive of Sir Dragonet in the sense that you think he's much more of a, of a mudlark and the going right now as I look on at the races.com is currently good to firm so are, are you dead against him then? Well, I just think he's been very disappointing, you know, since Chester. Um, even the last day, I know people say he was unlucky in the Royal Whip, but I thought um, just even turning in at the curve that Rymore didn't look very confident, like his horse was cruising all over the horses in front. Um, you know, if, if I was trying to not pick the uh, the kind of the flashy choice in addition, I think um, that Sir Ron Priestley of Mark Johnson's looks kind of typical galloping ledger type but he he looks to have a good chance or maybe something like dashing willoughby um but uh i don't know i think it is sir dragon it is ground dependent 
I tend to agree with you. And funnily enough, Dashing Willoughby would be my pick. I know you were more interested in Sir Ron Priestley, but Dashing Willoughby is probably where I would lean for William Buick and Andrew Balding. So having heard Sarah's assessments, are you now more confident, Pete? Yeah, that that given that I was worried about Sir Dragone, that uh, that take, the mudlark take, makes me feel a little bit less worried and, and more happy just sticking with logician and, and uh, surviving or not uh, in that count. In the bloodstock discussion, that's fascinating, and I think that's a great point about given this ownership group, it's less it, you get to be less worried about how fashionable the stallion is going to look to somebody else when you're going to stand them yourself in all likelihood so that mm. doesn't bother me either i'm i'm ready to proceed with the logician in the spot and i think that with the greatest of respect to Khaled abdullah because I, I think he is one of the most sporting owners in racing he's not getting any younger this is a point that's been made several times in the final forum podcast which is kind of one of the reasons why we think in to some extent enable might actually stay in training next year that he would be willing to watch her run again because she's more valuable on the track than she is as a broodmare. It's not like it is with the stallion, um, whereby they're going to be covering 100 mares, and, and so the money is going to be made there. And I do think that he would probably be prepared to be an owner who says, I'm going to win the St. Ledger and prove you all wrong, that you can still win that race and be a top stallion. And as Sarah said, they'll be supporting him. So it'll be fascinating. You can see every single race from Doncaster's St. Ledger meeting live on Sky Sports Racing in glorious HD. Alex Hammond and the team will be there for all of us uh, on 415. Uh, the race is due off at 335 and it should be an absolute cracker. Sir Dragone, a mudlark. So expect to see him in JP's colours next season running in the Triumph Hurdle <laughs> is the breaking news from Sarah Lynham. I'm running for Joseph, yeah. <laughs> on, the, on the final Furlong podcast. Back him for the champion hurdle now. Uh, and Logician, uh, we are very, very excited about. Hopefully, uh, he will get the job done. I'll side with Dashing Willoughby in what could be uh, a more open race. Very briefly on the William Hill Portland handicap, um, Bielsa, I think, is, is very interesting. It's not exactly shattering any records to be announcing that one, but Kevin Ryan, Kevin Stott, he only had the one win last season. He's clearly been difficult to train, but... Uh, I think he could be particularly interesting. Uh, make sure you're watching out for Hugh Taylor and uh, Simon Rowland's analysis, which will be available for free on attheraces.com and the At The Races app as well. We'll come back to Sky and American Racing towards the end because we've got Pete on, and so we should do that uh, when we've got a, a, an expert. But Pete is also, the great thing about Pete is that he loves UK and Irish racing and has an in-depth in form knowledge uh, of the racing as well. So we will discuss Irish Champions Weekend. Uh, the Kipco Irish Champion Stakes will go off at 4.15 due to the All-Ireland Football Final replay. Magical on At The Races is currently your 15-8 favourite with Ryan Moore on board. Alarcam is indeed going to run with Jim Crowley on board for Mark Johnston. Uh, Mad Moon in the same ownership is 13-2. Hedman, who's made a lot of headway, pardon the pun, is currently 4-1. The Derby winner, Anthony Van Dyke, 8 and then the Japanese invasion with Deirdre and Oshin Murphy on board is 10 to 1. Uh, Sarah, you can lead us off on this one. The Kipco Irish Champion Stakes is a high-quality renewal. Um, off the top of your head, how many times has Aidan O'Brien won this race in the last 10 years? Oh, I don't know. Five, maybe? I'm not sure. Peter, I can't think. Peter how many times has Aidan O'Brien won this in the last 10 years? <laughs> I'll take the over on five. You are both... Uh -uh, wrong. 
Oh dear. <laughs> Aidan O'Brien has won this twice in the last ten years, and oh, you have to go back. Right. You have to go back to twenty ten. It's an even. Yeah, it's an even. That. Yeah, yeah. You, you both. You're both going to be on the Christmas quiz if you want, because you're both going <laughs> to make me look better. Cape uh, Blanco oh, and So You Think in twenty ten and twenty eleven were the last winners for Aidan O'Brien, and that was the last Irish trained winner of this race. It's gone to the UK. With Ed Dunlop, John Gosden, Kevin Ryan, John Gosden again, then France for Jean-Claude Rouget with Al Manzor and Roger Charlton and John Gosden have taken the last two renewals with Decorated Night and Roaring Lions. So this has truly become an international race and there is a very big uh, UK invasion and of course the Japanese as well. Um, but Magical doesn't have an Abel standing in her way. So is she the deserving favourite for this race, Sarah? I think so. Um the fact that no, there's no enable here. You know, you think she she might get the big win that she deserves. She probably is a safe choice. Um, I don't think she's been out of the first two this year. Um, if I could be a little bit um, critical, maybe she's not um, as sparkling as she was last year. I thought that when she ran against Enable in the Breeders' Cup, that was the race of her life. And I thought maybe she picked up a few easier races in, in Ireland at the start of the season, like the Tatsuko Cup was just a walkover. Mm. But um, I kind of thought she would have beaten Crystal Ocean Um when she met him in the Prince of Wales, she looked a bit flat-footed to me and he always had her covered. Um, I don't know, she, like, she is very good, but if you were just trying to pick holes in her, um, you wonder would something that's on the improve, like Headman, um, could he beat her? I mean, it's a big ask for him. It's the hardest uh, race he would have run so far, but I, I was very impressed with him in France the last day. Um, I thought they cr- absolutely crawled and to to pick up and win like he did, I thought that showed it. Um, serious athleticism I thought he was really one that I was excited about and he's vintage Roger Charlton in that he's he's taking his time with this horse and he's getting the maximum improvement out of him all the time you can tell that there's probably more there there's going to need to be if he's going to yeah. take this race but at the same time Roger Charlton is always dangerous whenever he comes to Ireland he doesn't travel for the fun of it Alarcam is a horse that Mark Johnston has thought a lot of for a long time no easy no prizes for guessing why being a Frankel out of attraction uh, he cost an absolute fortune as well. There's Mad Moon and there's the Derby winner, Anthony Van Dyke. So those opponents, in Alarcam, who represents the older horses, and then the Derby representatives with Anthony Van Dyke and Mad Moon, they've both had very different preparations. Mad Moon looked dusty. Uh, he looked like he was full of cobwebs and had to be shaken up to go and win, but in the end did so decisively. Anthony Van Dyke, on the other hand, has had a, a more tricky preparation and they did talk about skipping this and just going straight for the Breeders' Cup turf but is he being underestimated in the market Sarah? Um, No I don't think so I mean it's probably very chancy with him as far as being a stallion is concerned because you spoke about the St. Ledger um, not being fashionable the Derby's nearly not fashionable now for a stallion and since then he's been disappointing in the Irish Derby and he was beaten like a, a huge way with uh, cheek pieces on mm. in the King George. So I think his reputation is absolutely in tatters. Um, I I like he's a lovely, interesting pedigree as far as stadi- like stadium career is concerned with like a fast um, Australian dam line. And he looked a good winner in the Derby, but um, he's a lot of questions to answer now, I think. Um, yeah, it's just he's a tricky one. Um, he needs to redeem himself. And I thought that some of the comments that Aidan O'Brien made on that launch of Irish Champions Weekend at Ballydoyle were interesting because he was talking about Sovereign staying in training next season and, and some others, but he wasn't mentioning Anthony Van Dyke as being a horse that'll be, that'll be back next year. 
It was very much the Breeders' Cup turf. I just wonder if the view with him is, well, he's won the derby, so job's done. He'll go to stud. He'll be another Galileo who goes to stud. Whereas they probably feel as though something like Mount Everest can, can improve next year and, and they can come back to war with them. Yeah, it's, I, I don't know. what. Maybe Japan will stay in training next year. I don't know. Um, just Antony Van Dijk, maybe with that Australian pedigree, he'd be something that could shuttle, but he'd probably need to jazz up his... Uh, his form lines a bit more. Okay, so you are not keen then. I can scratch him off my list. Uh, Matt Moon, what about him then? That, there wouldn't be a dry eye in Leopardstown if Kevin Prendergast takes the Irish Champion Stakes. Um, well, no, he'd be like the, the sentimental winner. Um, I think he's run two good races this year in the Guineas and the Derby, but other than that, I've been kind of um, just unimpressed by him really I, if I have to be hypercritical I think looking in the Irish Derby and Leperstown the last day I think I think Chris Hayes rides him like a chap under pressure like he really doesn't want to lose I think he's a little bit timid on him um, he didn't take my eye the last day I mean he bet a 25 to 1 shot of Dermot Wells mm. um, he's another one I would like I think if you're going to try look elsewhere I think Deirdre looks um, she looks one with a chance I mean she was pro- the ground's probably too soft for an ascot. She was very good the last day, and uh, over a flatter track, she might be even better again because a Japanese horse wouldn't be used to a track like Goodwood, I wouldn't imagine. So um, she's probably being underestimated. But yeah, sorry I burst the mad moon bubble there. <laughs> hey, don't apologize to me. As you were saying all this, I was going, this is why I love having Sarah on the show because she just tells it like it is and she just says exactly what she's thinking. It's gold. It's absolute gold. Well, it's just my opinion. I could be absolutely wrong, but... Uh, that's just the way I hey, see it. Hey, we've all been wrong. I've gone on television and been completely wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. It's part of the game. But if you don't express your opinion when you have it, then there's not much point. Um, so Deirdre is, is the horse to interest you. Is that going to be your pick overall then? Is she your, your pick? No, um, I think Headman's my pick. Okay. Because so. he's a three-year-old on the improve and... If he wins champion stakes, he's a very good horse, I think. Has to be. Jason Watson on board for Roger Charlton, and as Sarah said, impressive in France. Uh, Deirdre is a horse who interests me and I think is being somewhat underappreciated and overlooked. There's a kind of an attitude, Peter, that she was a little bit lucky with the way the race unfolded at Goodwood. I would more be inclined to agree with Sarah in the fact that she wouldn't have faced those undulations and that bonkers track that Goodwood is, as much as we love it. Uh, But your impressions of the Irish champion stakes, my man? It's a really interesting race, and I'm generally in the agreement of siding away from the three-year-olds. Magical, extremely, um, the, the most likely winner to me, for sure. I take a little bit of a, of a better view of that day at Ascot, that race. It was run on kind of weird ground, because not only, that was like during one of the craziest rainstorms I've ever seen. And yeah. I think, I don't know, the, the, it, it seemed to me like there were a couple of excuses. And this is one that not one listener is going to agree with. But from a from a USA riding perspective, too, it did look to me like uh, like Frankie was doing some pretty aggressive race riding in the stretch that may have kept her from getting even closer at the line. I couldn't respect her more. The price is the only question mark. I will definitely... In my USA-style exotics, I will definitely have some combinations covering Magical over the horse I'm the most interested in betting, and that's uh, Alarcan, who we t- you, you talked about and has been very impressive to me on the track in the last two. Had the obvious spot of trouble 
not getting the clear run last time. Could have been even closer if not for that. It's possible we're just looking at uh, a horse who's better at York. And if that ends up being the case, in my opinion, it's one I might be very interested in to see eventually come and run maybe in the USA. I find sometimes horses that love York will adapt very well to USA style racing. But I also think it's just possible that this one is the value and I want to have some money on the nose and I'll want to have a forecast covering magical on top and uh, and see if we can't uh, see if we can't get the money. I respect Deirdre. That was a great story last time. I just feel like the last day was the day from a punting point of view. You wanted to be with her and on this day I'm willing to to take a little bit different of a view but a, a big run there would be no surprise just won't be with me but i think it's just an amazingly interesting contest from a sporting point of view and one that i will be happy to have a wager in as well it's got to be interesting that the owner is bringing over alarcam as well when he's already got mad moon and this has been his long-term target that um she Camden would be uh, very much of the opinion that if Mark Johnson wants to run, let's go. Let's have two runners in the race. So, yeah, I, I can I can see where you're coming from. I would probably go Alarcom, Hedman, Magical, Trifecta. I can get down with that. I'll, I'll, I'll contribute to that fund. Throw Deirdre in as well to just make it more expensive <laughs> just in case she manages to get up. Uh, the, the box exacta, as Barry Faulkner, final forum podcast legend, uh, would say. Um, so that's the look at the Kipco Irish Champion Stakes. It's going to be a cracker. And that is live at 4.15. You can see it with Hugh Cahill and the team on RTE. The One Mile Coolmore Fastnet Rock Matron Stakes will again have a British invasion as the defending champion Lawrence comes back over for Carl Burke. Uh, she did win on her penultimate start, but was a little bit disappointing to get beaten last time out. She is favoured again, but favours uh, is taking on the dual classic winner Hermosa. And in the back of my mind, Sarah, I feel as though this will be an ideal race for a stiff track at Leopardstown, back over the mile. I'm kind of confident that she can get back in the winner's enclosure. What's your thoughts on the matron stakes? Um, well, yeah, Hermosa is a like a quality filly she she looked a really top class filly when she won two guineas so um it's just she's been a bit downhill since then and they haven't really had an excuse for her but um Lawrence I think has this in the bag um she's when she's again running against her sex she tends to win and the only question marks I have over is her last two runs I thought she was kind of given hard races I thought in France um PJ McDonald made a lot of use out of her and that's why she was nearly caught in the line. He went he went quite hard in her. And then she tried to lie up with um Shine Sibright the last day, who's a properly quick horse over seven. So if those races have told on her, she probably she she might struggle. But there's a lot of question marks over the rest of the field. So um I know it's a boring choice, but I'd like to see her win. Hey, she's six to four. If you want to put her in a lucky 15, and we've had lots of requests from Final Furlong podcast listeners going, where the hell is the podcast? Why is it not out yet? I'm really sorry. I'm, I'm working. I'm, I accepted a job in an audiobook, and I did not realize how much work it is. It's a bloody nightmare. I mean, thanks for the what's money. What's the book? What's, what's the book, Emmett? I'm not allowed to say, but Jesus, it's oh, long. Oh, sneaky. It's bloody long. And it cost me a gig with CNN today, and I'll talk about that later on. Anyway, uh, Lawrence is 6-4, to four, so if you want to put her in as the banker leg of a lucky 15 on Saturday, there you go. Uh, Pete, your take on the matron stakes. I'm very much with Hermosa. I can see where Sarah's coming from at Lawrence, and friend of the show, John Dance, will be back on soon. It would be great to see him, seeing as he's coming over to, to go and win again, having beaten Alpha Centauri in this race last year. But I'm inclined to stick with Hermosa. Your view, my man? Well... 
I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna make you both unhappy because I was trying to run this race in my head, and I saw a scenario where those two, where Lawrence and Hermosa, actually end up maybe hooking up a little bit too early, and it could set the race up for something from off the pace. And I was I hadn't really decided. I, I was toying with two runners, couldn't maybe even take two against the field in I Can Fly and Goddess. I mean, I Can Fly won at this meeting last year, actually ran a faster time than Lawrence for time men out there. I didn't, I'll be honest, I didn't notice that one myself. That was a note passed on to me by my uh, good friend Rob Dove, one of the top 10 pro hunters in the UK today. But I did think it was interesting. Is Rob Dove paying you per mention? <laughs> it's more the other way around. I pay Rob, Rob Dove, uh, I pay Rob Dove back for his diligent notes that he sends me from time to time with the with the occasional shout out and we always have to do the call back to the old betfair forum and throw in one of the top 10 pro punters in the uk today <laughs> congratulations <laughs> rob keep it going my man keep it going <laughs> but the idea was if they end up going too fast early that either of those who I, I think they have claims that have a chance to upset at good prices goddess is one who's been improving i have news for you goddess is not it. running scratch okay well then then we're just going to stick with I Can Fly and the time note. Uh, Goddess is one that I will keep on the horse to watch list, though, just because anytime, um, anytime a horse can fight through trouble and win like that, uh, especially overcoming a, a pace not in their favor, I want to keep them on my list. There's various websites you can go to to keep them, uh, keep them tracked. But I Can Fly, uh, a horse that I know has a rich history on this podcast, I think that's where I'm going to go and see if I can't catch, see if I can't catch a price. And I'll be happy for you two, respectively, if one of the ones at the top of the market should get the job done. You see, you've done this to me now. And well, you've talked about I Can Fly so many times that if she now goes and wins and I'm there at Leopardstown and a final Furlong podcast listener comes up to me and says, Kenners, did you back her? No, I was on Hermosa. <laughs> oh, you fucking idiot. How could you not back her? For all the times you've mentioned her. It's like falling off the cliff even further. So... Uh, Savor exacta. My recommendation exacta. is the old. Yeah, yeah. That, that's you. You make the bet you were going to make, and you can save with the others, where where you have uh, you have your key horse under the other contenders, and that way you can lose and still win. I tell you what, you do back Lawrence, and I can fly in a reverse forecast because that's who Sarah is very keen on Lawrence and thinks she has this in the well, bag. Actually, that I can fly argument's very good. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, we're all being turned. <laughs> we're all being turned around. <laughs> The force is strong in this one. Yeah, he's able to pers- he's able to persuade everybody. Um, we're going to see Mogul run in the KPMG Champions Juvenile Stakes Group Two, which is a nothing race really, and he should continue his progression there and go and win. And we also get to see Mount Everest back, who has a form line with Japan. Oh God, I would have won a fortune that day in the Burstford Stakes if uh, it wasn't for Japan coming and nutting him on the line. But anyway, we won't hold it against him. Uh, he's an exciting horse for. The Arcos family and Aidan O'Brien, and we'll see how he gets on. Uh, that's in the now called Paddy Power Betting Shop Stakes Group Three over the yep. 12 furlongs. Uh, Do you have a point to make there, Sarah? Oh, I was just saying it's just a really shocking name, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's the Paddy Power Betting Maybe Shop Stakes. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yeah, lads, you've, you've got some good names. The Petty Pirate Tinder Chase, or whatever it was called, the dial a bet that became betting app that we just called Tinder Chase, I uh, quite liked. But anyway, 
Uh, we'll switch to the Curra on Sunday. We're all going to be there. Very much looking forward to it. And um, the big question right now as we record on Thursday evening is which Niarcos horse is going to turn up for Jessica Harrington? She's got a whole team of very exciting juveniles, including Albina and Alpine Star. But which of these two are going to run? Sarah, do you have an inside track for us? No, I don't actually, but she's a really strong hand, doesn't she? Um, I don't even know which one I prefer. They're just both really classy. Maybe I'll, I'll buy them. Maybe, but that's just pure stick a pin in a kind of job. Um, Roger Varian's horse is quite nice, so has possibly better form than either of those. Yeah, Dea, uh, she's coming over as if well. If I'm not being patriotic. <laughs> no, 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 listen, you can fly whatever flag you want, and uh, especially if it's going to make us money. Um, so, yeah, Roger Varian's filly is, is obviously very interesting. She's closed now to joint favoritism with Albina. Uh, the thing that interests me is that Jessica Harrington was saying on Wednesday that it looked as though Albina would be running but Alpine Star has now come in for a lot of money. Now, that could just be bookmakers trying to rake in the free, some free cash for themselves. We'll have to wait and see, but Love is going to run for Aidan O'Brien by the sounds of things. Um, so, look, as we assess this race as it is now, with the information that we have in front of us, who really... In, is it going to be Roger Varian's horse for you, Sarah? Um, yeah, I mean, I just like her former raffle prize. Um I thought that like she got very close to raffle prize. We went down, ran a cracker in the pre morning. Um, it's just a question of the traveling over, I suppose. And she hasn't run since July. But um, yeah, I was quite taken with her. She was a good winner at Ascot as well. So um, she's possibly had some tougher questions to answer up until now. Okay. It looks as though one of Jessica, now Jessica's also got Cayenne Pepper, we should say, but it looks as though one of the New Yorkers horses will be going to Arc Day. Uh, to run in the, the Group 1 Juvenile Phillies mile race there. Uh, I really like Alpine Star. I was I was taken by how she won the last day, and I think she is a star in the making, and obviously she has a, a pedigree to back that up, being a half-sister to Alpha Centauri. Uh, Pete, your thoughts on the Moigler stud? I was interested in Daya in this race, who I thought uh, seemed unlucky last time on the day when Raffle Prize, uh, I th- just thought, had the better, had the better journey. And uh, that form, obviously, as we were discussing before, looks pretty good. You know, will the step up in trip suit? I feel like on pedigree, it should be okay and might contribute to getting uh, what I call what, what I usually refer to as a, a, a square price. I need to dig a little bit more on this one for sure. And there's a lot of chances. So where the market is at the end of the day is going to uh, determine what I end up doing or if I end up wagering. But I'm fascinated to see how it turns out. And that's, those are my thoughts at the moment. Okay, so both of you are starting with Roger Varian's filly. We shall see how she gets on as a 5-2 to two shot, uh, currently as we record on the Final Forum podcast for Sunday at the Curra. The odds comparison on At The Races tells me that Pinatubu is a very, very short price in the absence of Siskin for the Goffs Vincent O'Brien National Stakes Group 1 over seven furlongs. Currently twos on for Charlie Appleby to win this race again after Quarto's victory last year. Aidan O'Brien is represented by both Armory and we think by Arizona as well. Arizona is currently 16 to 1, Armory threes. Uh, you've then got Fourth Myers, geometrical for uh, Jim Bolger, but it's essentially all about Charlie Appleby and Aidan O'Brien. It's a shame that Geraldine's horse doesn't turn up. I can understand why they've elected to go to the UK instead. Pinatubu has been electric this season. And you kind of just look at him and expect him to be a bit explosive again. But the 16-1 to 1 about Arizona, Sarah, 
seems a real overreaction to me on the back of one disappointing run in France. He is the Coventry winner, and Threat has come out and done that form no harm. So is Roy Lytham. I'm not entirely certain, or Lytham, I'm not entirely certain that I'd be easily dismissing him just yet at, at such a price. But your thoughts on the national stakes? Yeah, that's probably a bit of a harsh reading, I would say, on the Deauville run because the ground, they had plenty of grain that day and I think the ground was probably heavy. Um, and isn't he an American-bred horse? Mm. So, um, you know, it, like while he's never been flashy, like when he won at Ascot, he wasn't particularly flashy. He's still proven himself um, at a high level. So, yeah, that price, I'm very surprised at that. I didn't know he was that big. But, um, yeah... Pena Tubu does look a machine to me and I'd love him to just, you know, gallop away from them. Um, Armory, I really liked him when he won his Curra Maiden and he's been um, foot perfect since then. So, um, it like, I know it's boring, but it is between those two, I think. Do you think that the price differential is too big, that Armory being 3-1 to one and Pinatubo being 2s on, that despite the fact that Pinatubo's form looks red hot, given that Lupe Fernandez has come out and won since having been stuffed by him in Goodwood. Uh, the runner-up that day has come out and won as well. Or is the three-to-one about Armory, who's taken a tried-and-tested route for Aiden O'Brien, just a little bit of a carrot that's too big? I mean, I suppose Pinatubu, he has, you know, he's any he, he goes to so many different tracks, Epsom, Ascot, Goodwood, wherever, he wins easily. So maybe their bookies just aren't taking any chances with him. Um, I, I could see, uh, I don't know, Armory will have a proper test now this time. Um, to be fair, but um, no, it's an exciting race, even though they are the the only two really standouts in the field. It's still really exciting. My thoughts on this one, Pete, is to just back Arizona each way and hope for the best. Hope that Aidan O'Brien has got him back to his Coventry brilliant best, because if he does, then he should at least finish in the first three. And if Pinatubu goes and bolts up, then that's fine. We've got a new star that we can celebrate, but two's on... Like I can, I can see why punters would want to pile into him, but they are juveniles. They are still learning, and this is a group one. Between the form and the figures, I honestly think it's the right price. I mean, Pinatubu has won, uh, along with Mums Tipple, has run the the fastest the fastest figure of that generation so far. You couple that with the the, the way the form has worked out, and I, I I just can't go another way. I mean, I understand the case for armory but at, when i can i'll try to separate with more concrete things like the form and figures and both of those just lead that way your idea of trying to come up with a way of betting the race where it almost doesn't matter which pinatubo shows up makes sense to me but my idea would be i wouldn't make it uh, i wouldn't make my day depend solely on this race but i'd be or my weekend but i'd be happy to take a piece of my steak and just put it on Pinatubo's nose at that point and, and hope for the best. And that's just my punting personality. If I'm, if I, it's not the kind of thing where I'm going to step out and have that make or break the weekend, but I'd be happy to have more than a token bet just based on the data that I see in front of me when I look at this race. Okay. Let me ask you this then, Sarah, do you want to take the prize money that you took at Laytown and lump it all on Pinatubo? <laughs> The prize money was very minimal. <laughs> I think I need it. <laughs> Is that a yes? Well, I'm actually looking forward to seeing Pinatubo in the flesh because on the telly, every time he runs, they say he looks fat. He sounds like an interesting 
an interesting feature. Like maybe he doesn't kill himself the whole time, or maybe that's his making shape. But I think it's a race where you just want to have a look at these horses in the parade ring, and you know, there's two horses that could be very good, and you just want to enjoy it. Yeah, there's potentially three I to be fair. I mean, definitely wouldn't back anything that short. <laughs> no, it's it's not in a Group One. It's not my cup of tea. If it's if it's a lesser quality race, then I tend to do my dough. But in in a Group One, <laughs> I just think the sixteen to one about Arizona is an insult. And, and so I have to back him, even though Pinatubu looks an absolute machine and could be the next superstar. We shall see. We shall see. Um, it's going to be a fascinating race. Pete Fornatal will be walking around like the walking wounded, uh, shirt off his back, bloody head, pockets just turned out, all in a daze if Pinatubu gets done by Arizona on the line. Meanwhile, I will be extremely happy. Uh, I'll be happy for you, though. Of course I, I, you will. All those things, that whole description might be true, but I'll still be happy for you. And I'll happily buy you a coffee at the current, my man. I'll, <laughs> I'll happily buy you a coffee, my friend. Can we can we spike it with something? Of course. It, that it can point. become an Irish coffee, a very, very Irish coffee, if you'd like. Uh, the Irish St. Ledger, the disgrace of Irish racing, according to Lynam and Kennedy, <laughs> is, <laughs> is sponsored by Comer Group. Oh, I'm looking forward to heading to the car on Sunday, uh, where the St. Ledger winner, uh, Q Gardens, will bid to get back on track. He really should have won the Coronation Cup earlier in the season. We have the Melbourne Cup winner, Cross Counter, who's currently favourite on AtTheRaces.com. Southern France is in there as well. And Irish Derby winner, Latrobe, who's runner-up in this race last year and did get back in the winner's circle last time out, to be fair to him. Um, it's a fascinating renewal, Sarah. So given your enthusiasm and respect for this race, 10 past 4, uh, how excited are you and who do you think will be crowned the Comer Group International Irish St. Ledger winner 2019? Well, I actually am quite excited about it. There are some interesting horses in the field. I just think for the sake of Irish racing, calling it a Group 1, you know, just judging the runners over the years... Just just kind of makes a mockery of Group 1s and call it a classic even more so. Well, if you want to but, call it a Group 1, I, I, I'd probably go along with that. But you cannot call it a classic anymore. You just can't. No. But it's interesting, maybe from a fan of Australian racing perspective, because there's a few horses owned by Lloyd Williams. Cross Counter, um, the Melbourne Cup winner is in the race. He's quite classy. Um, I'd like the look of, I don't know, are they going to run Twilight Payment um, that Joseph O'Brien has now? And he was a, he bet a trove at the Curra over a mile and six um, earlier in the year for, for Jim Bulger. So, um, like, there's lots of interesting runners. Um, it's just... Uh, I do have my issues with the race personally, but it looks a good field on the day. It is interesting that Toilet Payment has switched now to Lloyd Williams. We talked about, in fact, I think you were on actually when we talked yeah. about Twilight yeah. Payment um, possibly going to the sales ring. And well done, Jim Bulger. You did either he listened to us and took our advice or this was a long-term plan in action. So you would imagine that Twilight Payment will be destined for Australia. Yeah, you would think so. I, another horse is interesting, that's Salouan, because you feel he deserves a big day in the sun. I just don't know if he'd stay. He's by Camford Cliffs. Yeah, yeah I think his um, big day in the sun And they never tried him over this before, but uh, like, I, there's plenty of interesting horses with good bits of form. But, um, so who it's are supposed you, to be nice if Kew Gardens would win. Yeah, is that who you would, you would lean with so, like with the Australian element being in there and, and being interesting, but ultimately when it comes down to it, and when I push you for an answer, is Q Gardens the idea of the winner? No, cross-counter. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go cross-counter, Melbourne Cup winner. Final answer? Yep. Okay. Um, to be fair, I probably agree with you because he does have a turn of foot. They've ridden them interestingly this season, Pete. You were obviously there at Ascot. Um, 
the Gold Cup just didn't suit him at all. I don't think he really stays the 2 mile 4 and he's taking on a monster in Stradivarius. He does not have to take on that rival now. And um, the fact that he's away from Stradivarius probably means that over the mile and six here on good ground, this can be his day in the sun. I love the drop and trip for this horse. I agree with what you said about the turn of foot. I'm a big cross counter fan. And he's always looked like he had that bit of speed. I feel like this is going to suit him. I feel like the rivals are vulnerable. Uh, we'll make it a three-for-three three consensus for cross-counter in the uh, this Irish St. Ledger. I wasn't prepared for you guys to uh, have that view of this race as a whole. I do, I do take your point, but I was actually – I was – excited enough by this renewal that it's a it, uh, your dim view of the race as a fixture uh, took me a little bit by surprise and you know but i'll tell you what anytime i tend to be pretty egalitarian about these things if i can find a bet and i think in cross counter we found a bet seven to two three to one is the price that you can get on at the races.com right now uh, the app is available as a free download for your smartphone tablet uh, iphone ipad uh, get involved we're all on cross-counter for the uh, Irish St. Ledger, which should not be a classic. The <laughs> Moigler Jules Blanford Stakes Group 2 Phillies race sees Magic Wand, uh, who's Steph. We might even see Goddess. So I presume if she lines up here, it'll be Goddess for you, Pete Fornatel. Yeah, we were just talking about Goddess and the, uh, the case to be made. And I'm, I'm interested to see if that last effort can be built upon. Um, not an easy assignment. And I definitely want to do a little bit more digging and hear, hear what you guys have to say about it. But uh, you know I'm a fan and, and I have no problem sticking with Goddess as the selection. Yeah, she would be a horse that I'd be inclined to put in the At The Races tracker, Sarah, because hopes were high for her as a juvenile. She's obviously beautifully bred and things went wrong as... Um, uh, things just went a little bit awry. But she does seem to be back on track now as a three-year-old. Those two wins ha- have come well. And this does seem to be a fairly wide-open renewal of the Group 2. With, with the exception yeah, of if, if Pink Dogwood runs to what she's capable of doing, she Yeah, that's true. Is she going be, to run? That's, I don't know if she is. I don't know if she is. And even if she does, I just don't know if you can trust her now. Yeah, she has been a bit disappointing, but I even I kind of think even if she runs to the way she's been running, she she has a good chance in this race. It's wide open. Um, who's deaf was very good in it last year, um, but she's been a bit disappointing of late. Mm. Um, I kind of like Red Tea. I I thought she was um like hats off to whoever bought her at the sales. Um, she's been re- very good this season and got her black type in a group one the last day. Um, she was a good winner of a group two at the Curra as well. So um, she's probably one to keep an eye on if she didn't have too hard a race in France. Okay, so Red Tea for Joseph O'Brien in the group two. It's a race that he's. One in the past, of course, uh, getting the better of his of his dad. So we shall see uh, that race unfold on Sunday. Uh, and again, if you can't quite make it, it'll all be live on RTE. But I do strongly recommend. We should both say, Sarah, uh, given the fact that the last time we were on together on the podcast, we were hammering the Curra, that Pat Kiel has done a really good job so far. This is going to be an acid test now at the weekend, but I'm much more optimistic about the weekend than I, I was when we last spoke about the Curra. Yeah, exactly. I think Pacquiao's have. It seems like a lot of people have faith in him. He's 
a nice man that welcomes dialogue about the Curra. Um, he's very approachable. So it seems like he wants people to say what they think and they're going to try and improve on everything. I like that he's admitted all the faults mm-hmm. because it just seemed before they were sticking their head in the sand. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I hope a good few people turn up. I'd say a lot of people will turn up for the charity, well, the Legends race as well. Um, so I think it might, there's a good day in store. I really hope that the Legends race gets a big, big crowd because that's going to be some size. It really is. And, and we'll yeah, touch on it. We'll touch on it before we wrap up. But there is the small matter of your father having Sophia for Lady O'Reilly in the five furlong Darren Stud Flying Five Stakes. Uh, Fairyland may very well be in opposition here. She'd be turning up a week after disappointing in the Group One in the UK. But Sophia has been coming along very, very nicely and is just a typical fast Eddie horse. Well, I mean, I don't want to jinx her anything. She ha- I'm a bit like, I think we're all a bit worried by the fact that she's favourite. Um, it'd be nicer to come into the race as an underdog. But I can see why she's favourite. She loves the Cura. Um, She's been improving all year. And to think that she won the bowl ad last year at this meeting and now she's going into this race as favourite. I, I mean, I know I'm biased, but I think it's huge credit to Dad. I mean, she's just improved from race to race um, even if she doesn't win on Sunday it's just he takes his time with his horses and lets them find their feet so um, she's been a credit to dad and uh, I really hope I, I really hope she goes go so I'm even nervous just talking about it but uh, I think she's a good chance I can hear that in your voice as well that you're that little bit nervous as well uh, you say good chance I know that you don't want to be pushed any further so we'll, we'll leave it at that Pete, can you back her up? Is Sophia the choice for you in the Darren Stanstead Flying oh. Five Stakes? There's no way I'm rooting against the home, rooting or betting against the home team in this one. I'm, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm sticking with the team final furlong, and we'll we'll see what uh, we'll see what happens out there on the race course. Final furlong podcast family unite all of us, lump on <laughs> Sophia, and then uh, cue for a selfie with Sarah Lynham after the race at the Curra. <laughs> Uh, for big celebrations and buy her a glass of champagne in celebration as well. Uh, what are you most looking forward to over Irish Champions Weekend, sir? Um, well, apart from the Flying Five, the Champion Stakes is always a good race. I'm looking forward to watching that. But um, I don't know, there's just a good feel about Champions Weekend this year. I think it's as well to do with um, Pat Mullen and it seems like everyone's gathering around him and doing their best to raise money for cancer trials in the yards today um julie who looks after sophia was saying that if she wins best or now she'd donate her prize her prize money to um cancer trials and i thought that was a lovely gesture i know a lot of stable staff are doing it as well so um there's just a real camaraderie feel good feel of a racing community so i hope the weekend's a success and there's really good racing that is absolutely fantastic. Was Chris Hayes and Colin Keane, were they the first two? And Donnick O'Brien to announce that they would donate yeah, their writing fees as well. Um, which is just incredibly generous that, that they would do that. Lovely. Um, Dougie Costello has done that for his rides at, at uh, the weekend as well, which again is an incredibly generous thing to do. The amount of people who are being so selfless about this. And then you've got Johnny Murta, Ruby Walsh, Tony McCoy, genuine superstars of the game Ruby Walsh when he retired said never riding a horse again done and he's back to ride in this race and that's a measure of who Pat Smullen is and I really thought that Pat was over this and it's horrific that he has to go fight it again but no better man to do it and please God he will make a full recovery because he's such a gentleman and it's it's a real measure of the man Sarah that so many people are showing their support and you can still do so just go on Pat's Twitter page uh, and you'll see the link to the auction. There are some phenomenal things there. I made a bid for the Hurricane Fly saddlecloth from the Irish Champion Hurdle and thought to myself, I'll get it. Was outbid 
twice in an hour. It's like, damn it! Uh, but fair play to whoever does end up getting that saddlecloth. Um, but there's there's so many things there. Like Eddie, Eddie, I quite like the fact that Eddie O'Leary is currently leading the way for a Willie Mullen stable tour. Is he still leading the way for that? He's That's still funny. leading the way for that one. I, I think he's determined to get that, which is just <laughs> which is fascinating. Uh, but it's it's so lovely to see so many people from the sporting community, but also from the racing community support Pat in the way that they are. And I'm sure that that in itself, that the day is going to be special, but that in itself will drag even more people to the curve because there's few, there's few individuals like Pat Smullen. He's an absolute legend and he deserves all the support he can get. Yeah, I fully agree. He's He was a brilliant sportsman and he's a gentleman as well. So um, yeah, hopefully the day is a great success. In the States, where as I said, there is no controversy whatsoever. Move <laughs> along, everything is fine. Uh, on Sky Sports Racing, Woodbine will be on Saturday night. You wanted to talk about one race in particular, Pete. The Woodbine Mile. We've got some English participation from uh, William Haggis and Awesome Tank making her second consecutive start in the USA after running an absolute blinder in the Beverly D. She was second by three lengths to Sister Charlie, who listeners will be familiar with, back in the Beverly D. Now cutting back to a mile, this race was so much better even than the bare form suggests when you look at how fast the pace was that Awesome Tank attended. You look at the other horses who were anywhere near the pace early in the race. They all finished way back. She managed to hold second anyway. I think this one-turn mile, which is often a more testing version of a USA mile, that'll suit her pretty well. And I think she's going to be a big price because there's a, a very big storyline with this uh, Philly Got Stormy, who follows a very similar um, trajectory as Teppin in many ways and has caught the attention of the American racing world with uh, many people observing, oh, could this one be the next Teppan after winning two uh, graded races at Saratoga in the span of a week? And she is very, very serious threat to win this thing. But with Got Stormy being a very short price in the Woodbine Mile, an awesome tank at a, what looks to be a pretty robust, to my view, 8-1 to one on the morning line, I think this might be an opportunity to take on Got Stormy and see if we can get a price in. And if Got Stormy wins, hey, that's just going to be a great story and one to follow. And, and who knows what the future will hold. We'll see if they end up being as ambitious as they were uh, with Tepid in that camp. But it's going to be a fun race to watch. And it's going to be on uh, stateside and something that I think is, is absolutely worth checking out. There's a bunch of graded stakes. Woodbine being a synthetic course, it's a little bit more familiar, I think, in some ways to uh, to. to viewers in the uk so something that's worth something that's worth checking out and some other participation as well in the grade one northern dancer that listeners might be interested in old persian making the return to the races against uh, a, a field of six installed as the even money favorite on the morning line and looks very very tough in here indeed so some familiar runners running at woodbine on saturday night and some very interesting racing i'll be out there live uh, there's a betting competition that i'm sort of co-hosting and there'll there'll be a lot of uh, a lot of interesting people around so i'm looking forward to to i wish i could be with you guys in ireland but if i can't be there i'm happy to be here 
in Toronto enjoying a great uh, great night of a great day of racing. And I just recommend that horse players uh, and fans over there put Woodbine on your radar as a track to pay attention to on these big days and want to eventually come and visit. It's a, a beautiful course, and uh, you, on these big days you get some European participation as well. Canada, eh? Great race course, eh? Uh, what's that all about? Uh, no, I highly recommend it. <laughs> um, it you is. Have, have you ever been? I have not been to Woodbine. I had an invitation to go and couldn't take it because of my stupid back. Uh, but uh, I hopefully will be heading over there with my good friend Pat Barry, who's uh, living in Canada very, very soon and looking forward to doing so. 10.42 is the Woodbine Mile and uh, 11.17 is the Northern Dancer Turf Stakes Grade 1s, both, and you can see them live on Sky Sports Racing. Uh, very, very quickly before we go, Crystal Ocean has picked up an injury which has ended his career, which is a real shame. Um, Sarah, with you on this one, he did get to prove this year that he's... He was always Group 1 class. He did take a Group 1. And he put up a tremendous battle against Enable in the King George. It's just kind of another example of the fact that we need to appreciate these horses when they're fit and sound. Yeah, um, I know it's terrible. They are so delicate, so you have to appreciate them while you have them. But um, I suppose he's also an example of... um, kind of what Michael Stout does best because he just improved from year to year and this was his year he was, he'd really come to the fore and he was such a battler as well I think that race in Ascot was one of the best races I've ever seen um, between him and Enable so um, gosh it's desperately sad but um, just at least he was able to be pulled up on the gallop and back in one piece sort of thing yeah thankfully he is saved and will have a career at stud um, which unfortunately couldn't be said about other horses this season. It just goes to show you how we were talking about how racehorses are capable of killing you as an individual. They're they're so big, but they're also incredibly fragile as well. So um, we wish him well in his retirement, and uh, hopefully he'll be able to produce one as, as good as him because he was a bloody good racehorse. Uh, and in the States, as I was recording this audiobook, uh, at 10.40, I think it was, I came out of the studio at 6.30 and at 10.40, CNN had been in touch to say, would I go on and talk about Justify? I didn't even know what had happened with Justify at the time uh, and had been locked in the studio all day recording this bloody thing, so missed that gig. To sum up, (laughs) to sum up, of course I would have gone on CNN and talked about it because I briefed myself very, very quickly. This is a bloody scandal. This horse essentially in California was found to have a banned substance which should have ruled him out of the Kentucky Derby. And so long before his stallion contract and his now current owners ever got involved in him, this whole thing kicked off and he's now a Triple Crown winner. It's unclear and unlikely that the pressure for the California Horse Racing Board to handle these results in an unusual way came from the Baffert Board. I feel like it's more likely that that was an internal decision. The banned substance in question, uh, very controversial. It is something that can be environmental as opposed to used as like a, a doping agent. And it feels very unlikely to me that the horse would have been given this substance, honestly, as uh, a performance enhancer. And it's important to note that the horse did test clean for each of those three Triple Crown runs. Mm. That said, had they followed the rules, and if you have rules, rules should be for everybody, uh, this is something that would have been disclosed, uh, ruled on, and he might, would if they had taken the race from him, if they'd taken the Santa Anita Derby from him, 
that he wouldn't have been able to compete in the Triple Crown. So it is indeed a scandal. To me, what it really points out more than any, you know, I think that the, the wrongdoing of the Baffert barn is still very much an open question. But the joke of the regulatory process is very much on display, especially when you have uh, a key board member out in California on this, in the, as part of the CHRB, the regulatory organization, has horses with Bob Baffert, okay? So how's that supposed to work? How is oversight supposed to work when you have people on the board in bed with the people they're supposed to be regulating? It is crazy. My sort of Occam's razor solution to what really went on, and this is just speculation, but with all the lousy stuff that went on in California uh, out at Santa Anita at the beginning of the year, I do think it's quite possible the board on their own decided that the, the, the test itself was, while against the rules, uh, they, I think they decided that it was inconclusive as to the intent and that maybe they decided that California had given USA Horse Racing enough black eyes for one year and decided, in my view, incorrectly to deal with this behind closed doors. And they thought that the story would never leak. But of course, the story eventually does leak and now we have this little, uh, I say, I, it's not little, it's, it's, it's a tempest, uh, a tempest outside the teapot that we're dealing with that unfortunately makes racing in America look like it is corrupt at the highest levels. I will tell you, I don't think the real story is as bad as it seems, but there's still no way, it's still clearly a scandal, and it's clearly something that I hope will lead to a change in both regulatory procedures in USA Racing, and also some clarity and some sense on this list of banned substances and at what levels they trigger positives. And it's a deeply, deeply flawed system that that has led us to, to where we are, where it now looks like um, something really, really bad has happened, when I think the reality is it is really bad, but I don't, I don't think it's as sinister as the worst readings of it will be, but that's not to excuse it and not to say that it's acceptable. But I, I don't want, you know, I, I, I still think Bob Baffert is a great horse trainer and I still think Justify is a great racehorse um, or was a great racehorse. But it obviously is uh, a, a, a really, it's a rotten thing to have to be talking about when we want to be getting excited about this historically safe Delmar meeting that we just had, the excitement of the breeder ramping up to the Breeders' Cup over the course of the next few weeks. But obviously, you know, I'm not the type to put my head in the sand when, when lousy things come up. I want to do the best I can to try to explain it to the listeners. We did that on the current edition of the In the Money Players podcast, our show, the show that I, I sort of view as the sister show to this one. We, Jonathan Kinchin and I did Absolutely. our best to give our first thoughts on it, and we'll continue to cover the story as it develops. So it's, it's a bit like hitting a moving target right now. There's a lot mm. of speculation in what I'm saying. More facts will come out. We will analyze them over on the In the Money show. I'm happy to come back here, Emmett, any time and talk to you about them here to try to get some clarity in this situation. But uh, th there's no level on which it's a good thing. Well, you'll be back on with us again very, very soon, which I'm looking forward to. You too, Sarah, as well. I'm telling you now that you're both back on soon and you don't have a choice in the matter of saying no. Love it. Uh, <laughs> it's just like, you're on and that's it. Uh, I Let's see how these tips go first. <laughs> <laughs> see how many tweets we both get, Sarah, 
over the next few days. Oh, do you have a go at Irish racing again? Um, it's all right. By the way, you're entitled to your views and say whatever you want. I don't care. Uh, but and, and thank you for all the kind words as well, by the way, and, and all the kind words that Sarah got in her first appearance on the show, because I should say that that was the overwhelming uh, response that was given, and rightly so. Um, the, the thing that I would have said, it was CNN London, so CNN Europe that I would have been on. And I would have made the comparison to Mohamed Al-Zaruni uh, training a, a triple crown winner in the UK, and now there's a massive cloud over that horse beating Camelot. Was what should Camelot have been a triple crown winner? What was the story that day? We'll never really know because he was thrown out of the game so quickly and is now an absolute disgrace. And he was a big name. And Nicky Henderson being told you cannot run binocular in the champion hurdle, despite the fact that he was the, the reigning champion at the time, because they had administered him something for a, a lung infection or some kind of a of a medical issue. And when he was randomly tested, they said. If that horse competes, we're going to have to strip him. We'll have to ter- we'll have to ban him. So you can't run him in in Cheltenham. Uh, cue Nicky Henderson saying he thought he would have won the champion hurdle only for Tony McCoy to then get off uh, being put- being hammered at punches down by Hurricane Fly and said no, that horse will never beat him. Th- they're the comparisons that it would have made. <laughs> that this could have been easily enough re- resolved. He could have still run on a Preakness. He could have still run, I assume, and still run in a in a Belmont Stakes. But the ultimate point is that CNN America the main uh, network ran this story and then the anchor afterwards having read this story and shown some of the footage said American racing is in turmoil you know the absolute state of American racing right now you've now got this big scandal combined with the fatalities in California combined with the issues at Santa Anita it's an absolute mess American racing and that's what the average viewer who is not involved in racing takes away the horrible optics of all this and it, it perception just, is reality perception right? and, and is yeah. is reality and it's an absolute disaster in that regard so yeah. um look we as you said it's a moving target and we need to hit it how do you feel about this situation do you think that enough has been done in ireland and the uk sarah to combat this kind of stuff oh um it's a tricky one it's a touchy subject um I suppose enough has been done. I, I mean, um, it's it's probably going through a changeover period in Ireland now where maybe um, we'll find a few more cases because they changed the method of testing. At the same time, I think, personally speaking, they've changed a few kind of withdrawal dates and medication and stuff now to ridiculous amounts, whereby if you give a horse medication, it won't even be allowed to make any difference because you have to have a withdrawal so far ahead of the race. Oh, well. What's the point in even giving it? You know, I mean, athletes need help. I, I, I don't even know what this just what justify got. And I don't mean this. I mean that, you know, cases like this can lead to a whole like panic mode. And, and suddenly any kind of medication is completely awful. And we should only be giving our horses hay and water and plain food. But they're athletes at the end of the day. And I mean, it's a trainer's worst nightmare that maybe something got contaminated or maybe someone slipped something to a horse I don't know what happened in all the cases but um or veterinary or whatever but uh it does kind of lead people to panic and maybe not think very clearly yeah I think if you have a what was the name of the racehorse trainer in the states who they walked into his barn and discovered that he had a fridge full of snake venom oh yeah I did read that there, there was a there was a cobra venom story about a trainer named uh, named Pat B and Cone. That's the guy years ago. But I wasn't sure if it was. I didn't remember the detail about the fridge. But there there was uh, he'd been banned from some other jurisdictions. And yeah, that that was. I mean, I think that was a more clear cut case. Yeah. And, and a lot of the cases have been a lot more clear cut of that this was something that was performance enhancing as opposed to this. Uh, 
uh, this drug, which I think is a, a bronchial dilator, which could have performance enhancing effects, but it feels unlikely that it would have in the dosage it was given and feels weird that a known bad substance would be given to a horse before this grade one where he didn't even have to win when he had the triple crown coming up and then tested clean from those. It doesn't, it doesn't add up to me as a, uh, a, a cheating scandal along the lines of some of these others. It just, it doesn't make sense. I get the environmental contamination argument very much that the connections are putting forth. However, I'm still just flabbergasted by the way the process and the oversight play out. That That's the aspect that's really horrifying me, but I get it. Out in the general racing public, international racing public, they're not even going to be, I'm thinking of it on a, on a whole different level. And it's weird because then my instinct is, as you can probably hear, to defend the connections to some degree. Mm. But, you know, I don't want to become an apologist and just say, oh, it's no big deal because it's a it's a very big deal. It's, it's a <laughs> and huge it deal. And, and it didn't play out in an acceptable way. And we need to protect the, in, the integrity of the sport. And we as individuals, you know, Sarah as a trainer, we in the media need to be seen to be very much engaging with that. But I did think that Sarah, made, I think you make a very good point that we can't just jump to conclusions that they're all guilty. Lock them all up. Ban them all. We have to get to the bottom of this. And that really comes down to the people who are enforcing the rules. Like the oversight needs to be fully investigated to find out what exactly was going on. And secondly, as an asthmatic who knows that animals can also get sick, I would be very much on Sarah's side in the sense that if you have to give a horse medication like a human hurler or footballer would have to take an asthma inhaler before going out to play, that's not performance enhancing. That's meaning that you can live and breathe properly. If you now can't give a horse medication to deal with whatever issue that horse has to the point that it no longer is effective when the horse races, then that's just ridiculous. We're not talking about performance enhancing. We're talking about helping the horse realize his or her full potential by treating the horse professionally and ethically. But if there then becomes a point where, well, no, you can't do that now because we're terrified of the optics of this and terrified of how all this plays out. It's just, it's, the whole thing needs a proper shakeup. Scopolamine is the name of the drug, by the way. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if either of you. I had never heard of it until this story broke. Um, it does sound like something that can be naturally occurring in Jimson weed, which, you know, you're not going to. It's like something that could. It just seems so like absurd in a way that this thing can at once be a. Uh, a performance enhancing drug and something that you can like randomly find in hay in the right, in the right climate. It just, I guess I just wish I had some more clear information about the, the, the reality of, is this something that is naturally, is, is this an environmental contaminant versus performance enhancing? I can't even speak. I can't even speak to that part. I feel much more comfortable talking about what I know is messed up and that's, the, the, the regulatory process and also the idea that it appears very clear that you have some rules for one set of people and then other rules for other sets of people. That's obviously wrong and needs to be changed. Hopefully some positive change will come of this. Wrong and 100% true as well. I have to say that at Leopardstown or the Curra over the weekend, if you randomly drug test me, first of all, that would be weird. Secondly, <laughs> I'll test positive for tramadol, salpidol, plexia, Valium and some other pain-related stuff. So they'd probably just cart me out straight away. 
Um, you wouldn't make a racehorse, would you? Oh, I'd have been retired to stud long ago. Or shot. <laughs> or just shot. One or the other. Uh, and on that bombshell, we are done. Sarah, shall I see you on Sunday at the Curra? Yep, see you there. I am looking forward to it, and hopefully you will be celebrating yet another winner. Congratulations with Triconnell. That was a great sight. He's a legend. Two years in a row winning at Laytown. Absolutely spectacular stuff. More success to come for the line of yard. Best of luck to you all on the weekend, and I'll see you on Sunday. Thanks very much. And Pete, it is a pleasure as always, my man. Looking forward to having you on the show again soon. I loved uh, doing it. Loved meeting Sarah. She she even made your ramblings tolerable for an hour, Emmett. That's not easy to do. And remind me for an introduction to your pharmacist the next time we get together. Oh, consider it done. Consider it done. Uh, not questionable at all. In the Money Players podcast is what Peter hosts. You really should be adding it to your podcast playlist selection. We will chat to you again next week on AtTheRaces.com. Enjoy Doncaster. It's all live on Sky Sports Racing. And enjoy the Irish Champions Weekend. If you're there, come up and say hello. We'll see you then. God bless. Have you downloaded the free app The Races app yet? With easy-to-use race cards and form, expert daily tips, plus video replays and in-app betting, it's the app that no racing fan's phone should be without. Available for free on your iPhone or Android mobile, visit attheracescom forward slash app for more details.